Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We're in a new series. We started last week called War. And it's from it's a journey through the book of Joshua. And I'm really excited about it because we can see so much of our journey through life, through Joshua's journey and the people of Israel's journey in the book of Joshua. And so we started last week. If you missed last week's message, can I encourage you to go back, watch it. There was a lot of context. There was a lot of frame up, so to speak, um, for what's coming in the next few weeks. So we're going to continue. And so we're in Joshua chapter 2 today. And this is what it says. I'm reading from the message. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out from Shittim two men as spies, And he said, go, look over the land, check out Jericho. They left and arrived at the house of a harlot named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, we just learned that men arrived tonight to spy out the land. They're from the people of Israel. The king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you to stay the night in your house. Their spies have come to to spy out the whole country. The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, two men did come to me, but I don't know where they'd they'd come from. At dark, when the gate was about to be shut, the men left. But I have no idea where they went. Hurry up, chase them. You can still catch them. She had actually taken them up on the roof and hidden them under stalks of flax that were spread out for her on the roof. So the men set chase down the Jordan toward the fords. As As soon as they were gone, the gate was shut. And this is a cool interaction that she has with the spies. It says, before the spies went down for the night, the woman came up to them on the roof and said, I know, listen to this faith. I know that God has given you the land. We're all afraid. Everyone in the country feels hopeless. We heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt. And what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you put under a holy curse and destroyed. We heard it. And our hearts sank. We all had the wind knocked out of us, all because of you, you and your God, God of heavens above and God of the earth below. I want to preach part two of this series. This is a title. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Unlikely grace. All right, Joshua chapter two, unlikely grace. Come on, let's all pray together over God's word this morning. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word today. God, we thank you that it never returns void. It always comes back with good things for us. And so, Lord, we thank you to that end and that spirit this morning. Lord, we come under the teaching, the preaching, the authority of of the Word of God. Lord, thank you that there can just be one word inside one verse that can change our lives. So, Father, we believe that today. We thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for King Jesus who reigns over all. And God, we thank you for Colonial Kids as well. Thank you that you're building into them right now. In Jesus' name, in a faith-filled colonial 11 a.m. said, Amen. this is what Rahab said. She said, I know that God has given you the land. What a statement of faith from Rahab. What a statement of faith. And we're going to look at what, why this matters, why what Rahab declared to those two spies matters for us today. So part one of the series was really about context. 
couple of things in there from last week that were really important was Joshua's name change that came, okay? Numbers 13, you can go back and read it, but all the spies, the spies were sent out, one from each tribe. Um, obviously, he and Caleb came back with a different report, but it's in that passage of Scripture, Moses just very, it seems very subtly in, 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 the, in the verse, in the passage, says he changed his name from Hoshea to Joshua, changing his name from just salvation to Jehovah is salvation. So that was important from last week. But this week, Joshua chapter 2, if you're looking for some themes as we study the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2 has these themes. You ready? Faith, obedience, which are threaded through the whole book. But there's also determination, vision, and redemption, and grace. These are the themes we see right here in Joshua chapter 2, and it's an important chapter for many different reasons. Starting off with the reason that two spies were sent this time around. So in Numbers 13, if you remember, Moses sent out 12 spies, but only two of those spies came back with a good report. The other 10 were frightened and dismayed and Felt like it was just too much and they were overwhelmed and they were freaked out. And, but two had faith and that was Caleb and Joshua. But why did Joshua this time only send two spies and only to one city? Two spies, one city. In Numbers, Moses sent 12 spies to the whole land. There's a big difference here and it's a difference that we need to look at and we need to understand There's a reason that Joshua did it this way. Why did Joshua, the great leader, the great warrior, the great servant of Moses, now the leader of Israel, do it this way instead of the way Moses did it? What was the difference? Here's the truth, is Joshua had seen this movie before. He'd he'd seen this Netflix series already, okay? He'd watched it. He'd he'd seen it played out because he was one of the guys, He was one of the 12. The other thing you've got to remember about Joshua is Joshua was born in Egypt. He'd seen the sea parted in two. His family marched at the front of all the families in the wilderness. Like Joshua was there. He saw it all. But there's something that Joshua does here that we we can't miss. We've got to understand God had revealed to him a few things about the way God likes to go about things. So point number one this morning is this, from Joshua chapter two, God always has a plan. Come on. God always has a plan. Come on, write this down. God has a way he likes to do things. This is the revelation we see here from Joshua. Joshua understood something. He had a revelation from God. He had an understanding about Yahweh. He had an understanding about the way God does things. God has a way He likes to go about doing things. You ever notice this? That in life, we kind of have two options when it comes to everything. (laughs) We kind of have two options. Now, God's a gentleman. Free will's real. But there's two options. You see it all the time as a pastor, especially in the area of relationships. It's kind of like, okay, you can do it God's way because God has a way of doing things or you can do it your way. Joshua had a revelation. He understood that this had to be God's way. It had to be done God's way. Isaiah 58 verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways 
My ways, declares the Lord. I read that, I'm like, well, God's trying to say, hey, I've got a way of doing things. I've got a way I like to do things. And Joshua knew that God had a way of doing things. Here's a pro tip from our great leader we see in Scripture, Joshua. Here's a pro tip from Joshua. Figure out how God likes to do things and do it His way. Why? Because it's easier that way. It's better that way. It's more blessed that way. Come on, somebody. There's more grace in it that way. And we actually come closer to God when we do it this way. This is my own personal revelation of why God likes to do it that way. You ever notice how God doesn't like to take the short route sometimes? Yeah. You ever notice it in the world we live in, there's this thing called instant gratification? Like download the app now and get it. Or, you know, here's the loan so you can go buy it now. God actually works the opposite. I've had this revelation when it comes to stewardship that God just likes us sometimes to wait. God, liked, God would like to wow you with how He can bring about a blessing in your life. And what we often do is we say, yep, that's the long route, I don't want it. That's the long way to go, I want to have it now. God, I'm going to go get it now. But we've got to understand God has a way He likes to do things. Joshua knew that God has a way of doing things. And this is what we see in Joshua's leadership. Because if you do things God's way, it's going to be a lot easier, not just for you, but for the people around you. Because Joshua understood one generation earlier what had happened, the whole generation died out. Because they didn't want to do it God's way. God has a way of doing things. It was because Joshua had a revelation that this promised land situation is going to be a piece by piece deal. This is going to be a city by city deal. This is why he sent the two spies out. He's like, hey, just two of you go, check out Jericho. He didn't say 10 of, 12 of you go, 10 of you go, 70. He just said, two of you go, check out Jericho. Other translation says, especially Jericho. Because Joshua knew what was going on. He knew that God was going to take this thing down, not in a week, not in a day, not even in a month. This was going to be a campaign by campaign, city by city, king by king, step by step, slower road to victory, but nonetheless a victory. It was not going to be the way they thought it was going to be. And to me, that's revelation truth for us today. What's the vision in your heart? What's the thing that you're believing for? What's the, what's the pathway to the promise? What's the promise at the end of the pathway? What's the thing that God has said in your heart? I remember being 19 years of age, um, new, new Christian, new believer. And I just remember, like, I didn't have a lot of family at that time. I was like, God, I want to have a family. I believe that was a desire that God put in my heart, to have a family, to have kids, to have a house that was full, and, you know, just to have, have all these things. You know, it didn't happen the next week. It took a long time. I was reflecting on it. Actually, I feel like it's like my wife, Jill, spent about a decade pregnant. It was a long road to get to the pathway to the promise. It didn't happen overnight. It took us a long time to build a family and to go down the journey with God leading us to where He was going to take us, which I didn't realize was going to be in St. Augustine, Florida, a place that I've never been before. I never even knew existed. But here we are today. 
God has a way He likes to do things. And so if there's a dream on your heart and you're feeling like, man, is there a way I can shortcut to get there? Can I just encourage you? Do it God's way. Young people, single people, if you're in here today and you're believing for a partner in life, you're believing that God's going to give you a spouse, can I just encourage you, you can do it your way or you can do it God's way. But here's the truth, doing it His way will be the pathway to the promise you're believing in your life. Can I get an amen? You can only fight one battle at a time on your way to promise. Determination is step by step. True determination understands that if I look at this whole picture, you ever done this? You looked at some big, big project and be like, if I look at it in totality, I'm going to get overwhelmed. But if I understand what God is going to do and I take my first step, I can figure that out. Determination. Joshua understood it was step by step. It was city by city. It was king by king. We're not going to do this all in one week. God is going to give us what he's said he would give us, but it would be his way. This is something that I believe Joshua understood from Scripture, that he understood from, from the way that God had given them the promise, the way that he had showed them the way they would be released, even coming out of Egypt and the process. Look at Psalm 84. Verse 3 says, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, sorry, lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, look at this, in whose heart are the highways, the pathway, the road to Zion. Look at verse 6, it's sort of the same language. It says, as they go through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. In other words, even though the people of God, even though you and me, the righteous in Christ Jesus might go through a tough time, a difficult season, God still pours out His blessing. God still shows up with His provision. The early rain is going to keep coming to your life, even though the circumstances might say this is difficult. God is still there. Still covering his people, still blessing his people. It says they go through in verse 7, it says they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So verse 5, it talks about a highway. Verse 6 talks about going through a valley. Verse 7 says they go from strength to strength. Every single one of us to appear before God in Zion. What's that speak to us today? It's talking about eternity. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about the pathway, the ultimate pathway to the final promise, which you and I will have in Christ Jesus. The pathway to promise is not a big bang event. It's a pathway to Zion. It's a highway to promise. It's a road to blessing. You will reach your destination in Jesus' name if you do it God's way. That's the truth this morning. Online, that's the truth this morning. You will get to your destination. God says He will do it. Why? Because it says in Hebrews 6 and verse 12, listen to it, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who faith and patience inherit. Look at this. Look at it. What has been promised? When God says He's going to do something, He does it. And we live in a world today that's trying to hand out alternatives, left, right, and center. But when God says He's going to do something, when God gives you a vision for what He has for you, 
He's going to bring it about. He's going to see it in, in your life. It's going to happen through faith and through patience we inherit what has been promised. So that's what we learned from Joshua. This is Joshua's leadership. This was Joshua's strategy. It was, yes, a military strategy, but I believe it was based on revelation that he had that we see in Scripture from God, understanding, seeing the miracles that happened through Moses. I talked about last week, like Joshua was there. He understood some things about God, and we can learn that God has a way of doing things. So that brings me to the second part of the chapter. But we see this visit to Rahab's house. We see this visit by the two spies. But what was the purpose in Joshua sending two spies to go see the land? Was it a military strategy? Was it a battle plan? Was it preparation and being ready for the possession that was going to happen? Was that what it was actually about? It wasn't. See, Joshua and the people of God, maybe for them was about getting ready to take down Jericho, but for God, it was actually about saving Rahab. Let me say that again. It wasn't about Jericho. See, the thing you've got to understand about God is He knows everything anyway. God didn't know to need, need to go to Jericho to check it out. So we could be like, oh, Joshua's getting ready for battle. No, God was rescuing Rahab. God was saving Rahab. Let me say it this way. God loved Rahab. And God wanted to save Rahab. This place that they went to, if you study it, it wasn't necessarily like a, like a, like a secret place. This was actually like, almost like a, a, a motel of the time. It was like an obvious place that you would go. You would stop in, a house that you would go and stay at. You'd receive accommodation. And obviously, um, Rahab was there. But here's the truth, is that God meant for Rahab to be there. Because we can read the story and be like, oh, that's just like a side thing that happened. No, that was the purpose of the mission. That was the whole point of the story. God was instituting unlikely grace. God was putting into um, an example for us, for all of us, that God wants to save Rahab's. Did you know? 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, online or in person, that God wants to use you to save Rahab's. God wants to use your life. God wants to use your family. God wants to use your career. God wants to use your business. God wants to use your very breath to save Rahab's. Because God always has a plan, and He always had a plan to save Rahab. God was instituting, instigating, propagating, and extending unlikely grace in this moment, in this chapter. Come on, write this down. This is important. This is the the meat of the message this morning. God has a bigger heart for people than I do. I'm really sorry if if you find that hard, but it's true. I was thinking about that thought. I felt like God dropped that into my heart. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. I mean, even if I sat here and I tried to jump up on my horse and be like, well, you know, we planted a church and it's our heart to reach people and all that sort of stuff. God loves people way more than I do. God loves people way more than I ever will. On my best day, God has a bigger heart for people 
than I do. God wanted to save Rahab. That's why Rahab is here in Joshua chapter 2, because he's showing something about himself. This is a foretaste of the grace that we would see personified in Jesus and in the Gospels and in the great parables that we know as the stories of grace. God loved Rahab and he wanted to save Rahab. God had a rescue plan to save Rahab. So point number one was God always has a plan. Come on. Number two, God's plan always involves me but is bigger than me. This is a story of unlikely grace. I mean, think about it. Just let it shock you for a moment in a good way, in a holy anointed way. Let it shock you for a moment. God put, into, God put Joshua chapter 2 in our books so we would understand something right here. That a demon worshipping, caught up in sin, foreigner who doesn't look or talk or speak like the people of God, God loved. This is a story of grace. She was an outsider. She was caught up in sin. She was different to the Hebrew people. She was completely on the outside, but God had a heart for her. God loved her. God wanted to see her in the family of God. God wanted to extend His mercy and His grace to Rahab. He had a plan that involved Rahab. Let me bring it down to a personal level. God has a, had a plan and has a plan for you. And sometimes that's difficult because we can get religious and be like, oh, well, that's just like a spiritual thing. Yes, that's for spiritual people. No, God has a plan for you. God has a rescue mission for you. I know that the rescue mission hit the penultimate point for me when I was 19 years of age and I found myself in a church and I gave my life to Jesus. That was the moment. But there was a plan that was in place from the very day that I was born to that moment then. God has a plan for you. Don't think for a second that you're worthless. Don't think for a second that you're an outsider and you can never get on the inside of what God has for you. He has a plan for your life. God had a plan for Rahab. She wasn't worthless. She wasn't useless. The parallels in Joshua chapter 2 to our gospel that we know as the message of Jesus, the parallels are amazing. Do you want to know a few of them? I wrote them down. Come on, here we go. First is this, is that Rahab was under a death penalty for doing this. If she'd been caught out, the penalty for what she did was death, was to be put to death. What does sin in our lives pre-Jesus do for us? The penalty is death. That's the first parallel. Rahab was under a death penalty for doing that. And that's what you and I were facing before Jesus came and did what he did for us. The second thing you see here as a parallel is confession. There was a confession of faith. That's exactly what our faith in Jesus is based upon, is it not? We confess our faith in Jesus. We say, God, I need you. I give up my life. I surrender ownership of my own life to you. I confess my faith in you, Jesus. She confessed her faith in God and what he was doing. That's the next thing. The other thing you see is you see mercy is shown. So what did Rahab do? She showed mercy. Other translation says she gave a friendly welcome to the spies. Like she put them up. She hid them. She took care of them. She showed the mercy we have through Jesus. Listen to me, friends. Become friendly with God. We have become friends with God. Something else that's a parallel right here in Joshua chapter 2 is the house. The house itself. 
They went to the house. This signifies the house of God, the church that you and I are a part of. Can I just encourage you? You don't have to work to get into a church. The moment that you say yes to Jesus, you know what you're a part of? You're a part of the body of Christ, the church. Don't let anyone tell you you have to do this and do that, figure out this and come up with this and you know, give this amount to be part of the church. No, you don't. Say yes to Jesus. You're part of his body, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news this morning. You don't have to walk out of here thinking, man, I got, some, I got a tab I got to work off this week. Man, I built up quite the tab. I wonder if I've got enough credit to take care of it. No. The house is signifies and symbolizes the church that we're a part of. And something else that we see is that she specifies to them three days. She says to the guys, she says, hey, listen, go and hide. And in three days when the pursuers return, then you go. The three days is exactly what it took and what it looked like for us when we see Jesus and the cross to the empty tomb. How long was it? Three days. She released them and told them to go hide until it was time to go. But the kicker for me is the faith of Rahab. The faith right here is just unparalleled. You see it, it's like, wow. I want to read it again. In verse 8, it says, Before the spies were down for the night, the woman came up to them on the roof and said, I know that God has given you this land. Remember, this is a demon-worshipping prostitute in the land of Canaan. And she's confessing that God has given them the land. And she said, we're all afraid. Everyone in the country is hopeless. We heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt and what you did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you put under a holy curse and destroyed. We heard it and our hearts sank. Listen to this. We all had the wind knocked out of us all because of you, you and God, your God. God of the heavens above and God of the earth below. In theology, this is called the statement of faith from Rahab. Rahab's statement of faith. This is significant. This isn't just like a passing story. Do you know in the New Testament, Rahab's faith is mentioned more than once? Do you know that her, her, her faith, her belief in God, her understanding of what was happening her choice to, to, to lean into what God was doing is, is, is mentioned again. In fact, it's mentioned in a pretty big part of our Bibles. Hebrews 11 is called the hall of faith. Guess who's in there? Rahab. Let me show it to you. It's in Hebrews 11. Verse 31 says, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab is included in the hall of faith, guys. Like, does that blow you away? That blows me away. But it's not just there. It's also in James chapter 2. And this is James, the book of James. And James mentions Rahab when it comes to what she did with her faith. Here it is in verse 25. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messages and sent them out by another way? Let me read it to you in the message. It says, The same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape? Listen to this. That seamless unity of believing and doing. What counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. 
James is talking about the way Rahab's faith just propelled her into doing something about it and launching her into her destiny and her future. She put her faith to work. And God did incredible things. Her faith is legendary. This puts Rahab in a stratosphere all of her own. To be in Hebrews, to be in James. I love it if you could write this thought down. Faith, when put to work, achieves great things for God. Our faith, when we put it to work. What do we say when we're putting our faith to work? When we do something about it. This is what James was big on with the, the, the hearers, the, the readers of this letter, this book, because they were believers in Jesus, but they were kind of just sitting around not putting their faith to work. So much of the book of James is about conduct and speech and faith and understanding God's going to equip you, He's going to give you what you need. And he says here, this faith that was put to work was legendary. And when it's put to work, God does amazing things, that seamless unity of believing and doing so. Why is the story of Rahab in Joshua 2? Why was Rahab so important? This is why. It's because Rahab was and is an example of God's extravagant, lavish grace. She's mentioned one more time in the New Testament. You know where it is? It's in the genealogy of our Messiah, Jesus. And it's the only place in all of those scriptures that I mentioned that she's not described as a prostitute. This is God instituting grace. This is God showing us, giving us a foretaste of what he was going to do through Jesus. In Matthew 1 and verse 5, she's not listed as a harlot. It's just Rahab. Let me show it to you. Verse 5, And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And the father of Jesse, here's the point. We have no right to reject those that Jesus loves. Doesn't matter what they've done. Do you hear what I just said? We have no right to devalue who God has said is valued. Who God has said, I choose that person. And there might be someone in your life where you're just like, man, I feel like they don't care. I feel like that, you know... There's no, no future for them. You don't, you're just like, man, I don't see how God could... Re- Can I just encourage you? Rahab. If you feel like, oh, that person's so far away from God, that person's so caught up in something that's so far away from God, can I just encourage you with the word? Rahab! Yeah. We never know what God could do. Because God's plan always involves me, but is bigger than my thinking, bigger than my ways bigger than what I can understand because here's the thing about grace that we need to get a revelation, I believe, week in, week out about is grace doesn't make sense. But there's still grace. Grace is what covers all of us. God wanted to save Rahab and so we should get excited about saving and seeing Rahab saved. Why? Because if you look at this story, can I just encourage you? I'm not Joshua. In this story, I'm not the two spies. I'm not a bystander. You know who I am? Rahab. Can I, can I say it? But you're not Joshua. You're not the spies. Hey, I went first. <laughs> who, who are you in the story? You're Rahab. You and I are Rahab. This is a foretaste. This is a forerunner of what God would do. To the Gentiles. This is what God would do. This is the grace that God would extend to the whole world. 
And we pick it up in verse 17. This is a response from the spies. After they hear, they hear this faith. After they hear this, this call, this, this, this um, desperation in Rahab's, hey, she knew what was going to happen. She knew that Jericho was going to be completely torn up. She knew, probably because God showed her somehow that this city was going to be devoted to destruction. She pleads to them. And this is their response in verse 17. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and your father's household. Then if anyone goes out the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, in other words, they are covered. His blood will be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to the oath you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. You know, in Christ that we're covered. Do you know in Christ that we're covered, that we're guiltless, and this scarlet cord was a sign, a red sign of the guilt, of the shame, of the, the brokenness, the hurt. It was a sign. And the rescue then was a sign, you know, in ancient times to color things was kind of difficult. So they would use these dyes that were permanent dyes. One reason for that was to make a, a stark color like red. And the other reason they would use dyes this way is because it would be a color that would stay. It would stay like that. In other words, it could not change back. That's why God used the scarlet cord. Because this is a picture He wants us to understand. This is what He wants us to get today. This is what Joshua 2 tells us way before we get to the Gospels. Is that God has always had a plan. And His plan has always involved you and me. His plan is to save Rahab's. His plan is to go after the marginalized. His plan is to go after the people that are far away from Him. Because His plan is so big and His love is so great and His mercy extends so far. This scarlet cord is a foretaste of what was about to come into the world, to come in and to rescue not just one family, but all families. Praise God today. The rescuer was going to come and bring about redemption for the house of Rahab. The rescuer has already come and brought about redemption for you and for me. And His name is Jesus. He's come and He's saved us. He's come and He's rescued us. He's come and His guiltless, um, sh you know, shame-free life was the price, the perfect price that covered yours and my house in red. You know that old saying, you can cut the Bible anywhere and you'll see red? All through the Word of God we see the blood of Jesus redeeming, rescuing, coming to get you. It was this scarlet cord that hung from the house that represents what Jesus would do for you and what Jesus has done for me. His blood coming down, covering our sins and making us white as snow in Jesus' name. Come, would you stand with me? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, I just want to finish with this. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. Precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, 
or defect. So we're going to sing this song again called Mercy. And it's going to talk about the story that we get to tell. The story that we get to tell, the way that our lives testify to the mercy, to the goodness, to the grace of God. Understanding full well that it's not based on anything. Could you imagine what our freedom would look like if it was based on what we did? It wouldn't look like freedom. But because of Jesus and all that He's done, we get to enjoy this beautiful, lavish grace. Come on, would you lift your hands with me? I want to take a moment. I want to pray. God, we just thank You for Your extravagant, amazing grace. Father, I just thank You right now that through Jesus, we receive redemption. It's through Jesus, we receive Your mercy. It's through Jesus, we understand that You came for us, that we didn't even know it, God, but we needed a rescue. We didn't even know it, God, that You had a purpose and a plan that involved us. God, we thank You for Jesus today and His mercy and His grace in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing, let's worship together. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.